Uh, hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast where we teach you how to travel the world and make an income as well. So uh, I'm currently in Suriname, and Jennifer has actually just finished a round-the-world trip with her two kids. Uh, they've traveled around the world, literally. Uh, they've been to South America and Asia and uh, Europe and uh, so on and so forth. So we're going to find out about the travel journey, what uh, started their journey, uh, a little bit about their, their blessings, the highlights, and also some of their struggles. So to, uh, maybe to start off with, you can start about uh, what made you leave Ontario to travel the world. Um, I think for us, you know, we're all concerned. Sorry, so um, I used to blog, and my background was doing social media strategy and event production, and I was a serial entrepreneur that kept me really, really busy. And I think we all can relate about the fact that we get so busy that we forget about what is actually valuable in life, which is, I, I would say, mostly family. Um, and, you know, at one point in time, I looked around, and, and all of us were on our, on our devices, and we weren't connecting. And there was these moments and times where I would sort of um, be aware of the fact that we were missing not only the connection, but we were also missing this compassion and this understanding of what it was like to recognize that we're all connected from a global citizenship perspective. And instead, I saw a lot of, you know, people hashtagging first world problems. I saw a lot of um, wants and gimmies and can I have. And it was just this constant stream of materialism and, and sort of this sort of superficial relationship nature that, you know, sometimes social media breeds and it just felt all wrong. And I, I said to my husband, we need to, to do this because uh, tomorrow can easily become number as, you know, Tim Ferriss always uh, talks about in the four hour work week. And it just hit us. We had a couple of friends that, um, had passed away suddenly, so that was a huge wake-up call about how you could plan all you want for what your life is going to be like, but if you don't actually put energy towards making those dreams come true, they will never or might never happen. So we said now um, versus never, and we just did it. We sold our house. We put everything into storage. Uh, I put all my clients on hold and just said I'm going away for up to a year. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I hasn't got a leave of absence from work, and, and off we went, and it was amazing. Definitely can relate, and so many friends there, Jennifer. Uh, we ended up selling uh, everything, uh, or almost everything, maybe 80% of what we own. We still have about 20% of the really important stuff, especially memories of our, of our kids That's as it. they grew up. That's all yeah. you need, right? Yeah. The rest, the rest is just, uh, you know, uh, uh, unimportant. Uh, so tell us about the journey itself. Uh, so where did you start? Uh, and then uh, tell us about the countries you visited along the way. So we each actually gave, uh, we have a family of four. So it's myself, my husband, and my son who started the trip at 10 and ended up the trip at 11, and my daughter who was nine. And each of us had a choice of three destinations around the world that if we had our druthers, where would we go? So my husband was very much about beaches and uh, marine life. My son was a lot about blue whales and uh, you know sea turtles, thanks to National Geographic. My daughter was about culture and dance, and I was sort of about historic things. So we put together an itinerary, loose itinerary. We actually didn't have a full plan before we left. On the first 
um, place that we all always wanted to go was the Galapagos Islands. So we headed down from Canada to Ecuador and we went over to the Galapagos Islands and had the most amazing time. I can't recommend Galapagos enough uh, in terms of what it can teach your children, in terms of the humility that you come across when you see what humans can do to wildlife and also um, how very stringent they are on, on taking care of that ecosystem, how beautiful it is. And from there we came back uh, from the Galapagos and we just flowed all the way through uh, Ecuador, Oman, Peru, we went to Machu Picchu and Lima. And then we went to Bolivia and flowed through the Bolivian salt flats, which was incredible, on the way down to Chile and through Chile all the way down to almost the southern tip of South America and then came back up through Argentina. And so one of the big things we wanted to hit was El Calafate and you know actually thriving glaciers, which was incredible. Then we came back up through Mendoza in Argentina and just hung out in Uruguay for a while. And from there we hopped over and we added this as a plan mid mid probably Peru that we were going to go to New Zealand. So we went to New Zealand and we caravan through New Zealand for almost a month. Stopped in uh, Australia and then went Singapore, Southeast Asia, which was Vietnam, Cambodia, Thailand. Stopped in Sri Lanka and as you know, because you can get super cheap flights once you're there, we hopped over to the Maldives, which for like $150 per person was nothing to do something that we'd always dreamed of. Came back from the Maldives and then we went Dubai, uh, Greece, Italy, Morocco, London, and home. So it was, it was amazing. <laughs> it was busy, but it was amazing. So how many total countries was, uh, was that? I couldn't count fast enough. <laughs> well, we said you can't really count Turkey because we were only there for a short stopover. So I'd say about 20, 21, you know, kind of depending on how you uh, count. Eight months, right? Yeah, yeah, just under. Like we just finished kind of as we were um, hitting the eight-month range. Yeah, that's definitely an uh, epic adventure. You covered pretty much every continent uh, with the exception of Antarctica, so I'm sure you'll be heading there soon. Totally. Um, I, I, I love how you did it as well, that you, get, you got the input from each of your family members, and it looks like they pretty much covered all the areas of travel, like history and culture and sightseeing and uh, the beaches and animals. So you've covered everything, but because of the needs and the wants and desires of each member. So I'm glad it was so balanced out. <laughs> Do you know, it was great. The thing that I was surprised with was how much the kids actually became involved in the travel, which I'm sure that you've probably experienced as well, Ricky, where when they actually are enthused about something um, and they're curious, it is incredible what they are learning while they're moving and while we're traveling. And that was something that I think was totally a, a surprise and a welcome one in terms of how much they got involved in the actual planning of the trip and then being active participants in it. Yeah, definitely. I, I find that as well. I mean, obviously, the kids just want to go to Disneyland 24-7 or just to let go land. But uh, unfortunately, we don't have the, the budget to. Uh, and also, it'll get quite boring to see Mickey every day for, for the whole right. year. Uh, so we definitely did uh, what they wanted, the Disneyland, the Legoland, uh, the Animal Safari. We're actually going the, uh, the way that you already did. So we're, we're going to be hitting uh, Galapagos, and then we're heading down to Peru, Bolivia, Argentina, uh, and then uh, Uruguay, Paraguay. And uh, we're trying to see if we can even uh, hop over to Antarctica uh, based on the, obviously the costs involved. So yeah, stay tuned for that if we end up to our, that's, that's our last untouched continent that we really want to go to. That sounds amazing. I, I, will, I will be extraordinarily jealous, I have to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, uh, it obviously took a lot of work in terms of like planning the whole trip. So I'd love to uh, hear about that, especially from the sake of people who haven't or are wanting to do a trip like you have. 
what did it take in terms of the mental change, the, uh, the convincing your husband and kids, who, who kind of originated the, the plan, uh, et cetera? It took lots of tears. No, <laughs> um, I felt that um, just I felt this absolute urge that you know our kids were in a situation where they were not cognizant to how much the rest of the world deals with, and it felt really important to teach them now um, sort of that social responsibility and, and compassion and stuff like that. Not that they're not compassionate kids, but it was important that we got them immersed in other cultures to really understand what it's like to see the world. And so when we finally made the decision, we actually made it Christmas of last year, so 2015 going into 2016. And then you kind of say that, and then you look at each other and go, holy crap, so what did we just do, right? Like we said that. Um, and so we put our house up for sale. That was our sort of like, you know, it's easy when you're task-oriented. Okay, put, it, put your house up for sale, get vaccinations, all that kind of stuff. But I really found what was curious was the journey that you were going through as you were releasing, you know, you're getting rid of a bunch of stuff when you're selling your house, you're, get, you're donating a bunch as you're trying to fit it into storage. And every time it felt more and more like we were letting go and kind of becoming more untethered to what life was like back here in Canada. And it felt scary as all get out. Like, don't get me wrong. I had like tons of anxiety attacks about the fact that, you know, we might get bit by sharks or something like that, which promptly my daughter found out a, a stat that you could actually, you're more likely to get knocked over by a snack machine than you are likely to get bit by a shark. And you're sitting here going, okay, I'm overreacting, but you don't know, right? It's all this kind of, I have no idea what the world holds. And the funny thing is, is once we got on that plane and once we started traveling, it was, I look back and I go, what were we worried about? You know, like we got so, ah, and then it, you kind of end up like, I don't know what was so freaking out, but it's, I think it's that fear of the unknown. So I think one of the, the mental journeys is just kind of trusting that it's going to be a journey. It's going to have its hills and valleys. There will be moments where you'll be frustrated. There will be moments where you have to figure out the dynamics of your family relationship. But other than that, like the rewards that come with it are so worth it that it was, you know, no regrets whatsoever in, in prepping and doing this trip. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it is easier than you think it will be because uh, same thing with so many fears, insecurities, self-doubts, what about safety, what about medicine, what if something goes wrong, what if we have to fly back in case of emergency. So there's all these things uh, beating you up from the inside out, right? Like you're uh, kind of like the inner critic, I call it. Uh, and yeah. it's really important to be able to defeat that inner critic uh, by, by the voice of your family and uh, just being confident and bold and taking action. And when you're, like you said, when you're on the plane it's, uh, and when you're traveling, you realize it's uh, not that difficult. Not, not at all. And I think that's the thing that you, um, that I wish I had known a bit more of is it's just that first step, right? Once you take that first step and you've committed to this is what we're going to do, it, it will have flow and it will just work its way out, um, but it's just that first step that you have to get over. Absolutely, so yeah, definitely uh, take that leap of faith, take that first step, and uh, you know, under the side will be a much brighter future than back in your home city, probably. Uh, yeah. So tell us about the struggles as well, because we definitely want to be real and uh, transparent about the challenges of traveling uh, long-term, as in like, you know, five months or more, as you did eight months. So tell us a little bit about the, the valley times and the darker times and some of the obstacles you faced. Do you know, I was, I was surprised, actually. I thought that we would have more. Um, but I think something to do with once you kind of let it all go and just kind of do it, it 
it changes how you function on a daily basis. I'd say one of the challenges, my son has special needs, he has autism, and um, we were really worried because, you know, autism is so much about having a routine and knowing what to expect and having like consistency. And here we're about to go on a trip where there was absolutely complete fluidity. There's no, it's totally spontaneous. There's no idea what's going to happen. And we sort of thought this could turn into like an epic, you know, um, failure when it came to how he was going to manage the, the, the trip. And he actually thrived. The interesting thing is, is that, he's always wanting to get up and move, right? Especially in class, you know, they're telling him to sit down and he loves movement. And the, the thing that we really discovered is how much movement really impacted his ability to learn. So if we were walking while we were sort of discovering something, he would he would pick it up like that. So the concerns we had about, you know, how to manage autism, what we found most impactful was uh, how overstimulated he would be. So he would hit these walls where he would just be like, go and walk into someone's house and lie down on their table kind of thing because he would be so uh, working so hard on actually trying to manage the stimulation, especially in places like Vietnam or some places where there's horns and crazy, that he he would get overwhelmed. And he, he wouldn't uh, have a breakdown, but he would just get exhausted and that would suddenly turn our schedule from we're going to be up for the whole day to okay I think it's time for us to, to take a break. Um, and so I'm glad you mentioned the fact that uh, he has autism and uh, you know you're able to overcome that. What about other parents who have special needs either autism or other um, you know um, issues with their kids and that's holding them back. Uh, how did you uh, help your son adjust? What did you have to do specially uh, for him? We, we were really clear on talking about what kind of expectations. Again, we taught, one of the big things we're teaching this, this trip was spontaneity, so that he knew that life is, is spontaneous. You can't plan life to be that routine because things change all the time. So we, we kind of talked about what that spontaneity felt like and what, you know, to expect the unexpected, to be excited. Um, you know, one of the things about autism is you can get a lot of anxiety, and we really pushed our kids to face their fears and try and at least give it a try. So they went zip lining, they went scuba diving, they went surfing, and every time he would initially have this little bit of like, I'm not so sure, and say, okay, this is what we're gonna expect in this situation. I want you to give it at least one try and see if you like it. And nine times out of 10, he actually loved every experience that he had. It was just that, again, what he didn't know before he did it, you know, so we managed that. And we also had, just in case, noise canceling headphones for those days where it just became too much. Um, that was a really good thing to have on hand in case we needed it. But for the most part, he just learned how to manage, which was great. So what tips would you give to other parents with special need kids who are maybe thinking of doing something similar? Maybe it doesn't have to be eight months, but it could be a, uh, you know, a couple months or so. Uh, any advice you'd give them? I think we all, like, you know, it's funny because we kind of let go of, of the fact that he had autism. There would be points in times where we would have to point it out to people or something if he was acting a little bit in odd behavior. But for the most part, we, I think, and you'll, I think you'll appreciate this, Ricky, is that we have a deeper understanding of our kids now than I think we would ever have had at home because you're, you're, you're so close quarters for so long that you intrinsically start to learn 
what sets them off or what are those catalysts that might make things challenging. And so spending quality, like quality, I'm talking like being present time with your kids beforehand um, and just really paying attention to what are those things that happen before they have those breakdowns or what are the things that set them off so that you can mitigate that as you're getting ready to travel. You can, you know, maybe you need a chart at first, or maybe you need a, a conversation every morning. What are we going to do today? Something that Spence asks every morning, like, mom, what are we going to do? So we prepared him with expectations. As long as he had that, he was fine. So I think, especially with being parents of special needs, you are completely petrified of what travel can be like, because you think that it could be the worst possible day of your life. Um, and the truth is, is that I actually found uh, travel to be the best uh, possible thing for him when it comes to he, him not having to be um, confined to what would be a traditional school for a number of months. He did so well. Like he just, you know, he did great. So I think it's, uh, you think it, you think it, there's going to be a lot of challenging and I think what you'll be surprised by how much less there is when you're on the road. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. So thanks for those tips. I, uh, you know, uh, definitely reach out to uh, Jennifer. If you're thinking about traveling with a special needs kid, uh, uh, she's obviously done it and now she can advise you to do it as well. So Jennifer, you have become a guru in the area of traveling light. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of us who travel long term, we carry too much. And even us, uh, when we left Vancouver, BC, Canada, we took way too much stuff, and then we ended up unloading, 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 and so now much, we're trying right? to down to, uh, to to way lighter stuff. It makes it easier, especially if you're in places with no elevators, and you have to go up and down stairs, or switch hotels, or put stuff in the back of a taxi. Which usually taxis they have too little space for big bags. Uh, <laughs> uh, obviously, you can uh, uh, just have a, a much easier uh, time of day when you're traveling light. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you left with, what you came back with. Uh, and uh, what happened along the way? So we, we, I mean, both Chris and I, my husband and I were, were backpackers. Like we had done sort of our own backpacking trips back in the day. So we took two backpacks, um, 60 liters each, and then each of us had a day pack. And by the time halfway through the trip, we were like, how can we dump this? Who can we donate this to? What can, you know, we found a lot of um, village children in places that we're at. We lived local where we could. And we were just donating shirts and shoes and everything because we we're like, this is ridiculous. So we we actually sent a full backpack home with a friend who came to visit us in Vietnam. And for the rest of the trip, we just had one backpack. And even then, it was still kind of too much. You know, you realize, my husband always says, nobody knows what you wore yesterday. So um, we netted out with two of everything. So, you know, one pair of kind of dressier pants, our pair of jeans, one pair of travel pants, two pairs of shorts, bathing suits we lived in, you know, and have for the most part anywhere where it's been hot. And yeah, we just kind of took it down to like one travel cube per person. And, and again, I didn't realize that uh, it just becomes simpler. You don't have, you have less laundry to do, less things to worry about, you know, and again, as long as it's, it doesn't tear or starts to smell really bad, then you just buy a new one new shirt, right? You don't need to kind of replace your whole wardrobe. You just buy one new shirt and you're, you're, really excited about that new shirt so um yeah i would we had hiking boots one pair of sandals that's it and that's all we needed 
I'm glad you mentioned the tracking cubes. And ironically, we're just checking out of a hotel, so I have them handy. It wasn't actually planned, but uh, that's how they look like they're at uh, uh, different sizes. Uh, if you're watching this, if you're listening, you won't be able to uh, see this. Uh, but uh, just Google uh, tracking cubes. And you can color code them as well. Uh, like this one has all of electronics in it. Uh, this one usually has a clothes in it. And then uh, uh, we, we put uh, my wife's clothes in one, uh, my clothes in one. Uh, our son's clothes in another, our son's in another, and our daughter's clothes in another. And we find it way easier just to, okay, uh, you know, our daughter needs to change her clothes. Boom, grab the daughter bag. Uh, I, I need a, a pair of shorts instead of a pair of pants. Boom, grab that one. So I, I, I think definitely uh, packing cubes are a lifesaver. Uh, I, I watched your Facebook Live video where you mentioned a few other essentials that you found were really invaluable. So I think uh, that would be really beneficial for other people who are looking for some amazing travel gear. Sure, one of the things, the packing cubes were amazing simply because, um, to your point, it was really good to teach our kids uh, autonomy as well, right? Suddenly they were responsible for their own cube and so they packed it up, you know, every two days and removing or three days. Um, I feel like they come back far more mature when it comes to like, you're responsible for your own cube and what gets left behind you'll find out the next time that you don't have it. So it was really good for a teaching lesson as well. Uh, we did a couple of things that I really loved. One was um, we had these Sea to Summit. They're like a waterproof kind of dry bag that you can kind of squish down and you can clip. And we found that so often we were doing, as you know, like when you're doing excursions or something like that out uh, into the ocean or you know snorkeling or whatever, it's so great to just pack throw your towels, a change of clothes, your sunscreen, your phone into the dry bag. You just squish it down so you're not taking up a lot of room. You clip it, it becomes a handle. Those Sea to Summit bags were one of my absolute favorite things that we had and we use them for laundry, we use them for groceries when we needed to. We had um, a solar charger, which as much as I know that sounds a little bit luxurious, we actually found it to be beneficial more times than we could possibly count because you're on an excursion or say you're, you're exploring one day, you have no access to plugging in your phone anywhere or plugging in uh, you know, a charger for your GoPro or what have you. So we had the solar charger that would collect uh, you know, sunshine and then mm -hmm. you would be able to boost it sometime through the day and that was incredible. And we would even boost our portable battery when we're switching up our phone and that just kind of helped us stay connected. That was great. Um, and if you're uh, wanting the link, I'll, I'll put the link uh, to her uh, video where she actually unraveled everything, literally, even the tampons. <laughs> yeah. She actually had everything on the, ta uh, on the bed and she shared exactly what she needed. And there are no I found that tans. video really valuable. <laughs> that was like the big <laughs> aha, right? <laughs> so, uh, Jennifer, uh, what's next? I mean, that's the big question. When you travel, obviously, it changes you on a very deep inner level, on a spiritual, emotional, mental, physical level, in terms of losing weight when you're traveling as well, and hiking a lot more than you're driving around. Emotionally, obviously, your kids are much more connected, your husband and you. Uh, spiritually, I'm sure you got in touch with God and nature, and uh, mentally, uh, you know, you get more aware of the world. Uh, so what's next for you, and that you returned to Canada after eight months of uh, seeing the world? It's so surreal. Reentry is hard, yo. I'm telling you, Ricky. It's just weird, right? Because you come back and and you see so much on the road that that makes you full of gratitude and makes you full of awareness of how how lucky we are in our first world country. Um, the fact that we carried bottled water for 250 days, you know, just to kind of be safe with the kids and stuff like that. You're aware of how valuable running water is on your path, you know. Um, so in terms of what's next, I think right now we're just, we are 
a little um, like rudderless sail, as somebody put it, and I like that. Um, we're just kind of sorting it out. I, I am a serial entrepreneur. I know that I can go back to social media and social strategy. I think now, though, um, because of what we experienced, my goal is to do it in a way that 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 has more value in 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 providing value in outward outward help, right? Like I don't necessarily want to create campaigns that are just intrinsically um, superficial. I want to do things that are going to make a difference, that are going to help people that I met on the road um, that's going to support women entrepreneurs. Like I, I think you did as well. Like we met women in business in who were just hustling their asses off in Bolivia and Peru and, and uh, all around the world, Vietnam and Thailand. And I want to support more of a community that is going to help people grow and all of us thrive. I, I believe we're all connected. And I think that it, I feel far more responsible to make that happen. So we're writing a few, our plan is to actually write more about the story of us, our travels. We, we, we made an intentional uh, agreement to be present and not to really blog while we were on the trip. We just journaled um, because we thought it was going to take away, right? So there's, as you know, there's different ways. You can either work while you're on the trip or you can mm -hmm. be on the trip and then work after. But so we're, we're doing the work after and we're writing um, some materials, some how-tos, and uh, even looking at writing a book treatment to, to pitch to some publishing houses. Amazing. I look forward to seeing uh, what the journey ahead uh, holds for you. Uh, if people wanted to connect with you on, uh, on your website, uh, your mom, dad, couple of kids, and also on your social media and ask you more questions, pick your brain a little bit, get, to, get some mentorship advice. How Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's two. I've got we have a whole run on social media of Mom Dad Cup of Kids on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And then we also I have a personal one which is a little bit more about our family, which is at Jen Powell Live, and that's on Twitter and Instagram as well. So feel free to connect. I am more than happy to answer any questions on costs, on uh, emotions, on challenges or what have you. But you know, super enthusiastic to help other people do this world nomadic kind of lifestyle. It's definitely one that's that's on our list to keep striving for. Yeah, and uh, more and more I interview people, I'm finding more families are doing it, which is definitely inspirational and uh, uh, good on you for taking that leap and doing it and completing it. Uh, it's great to actually see that this side as well because a lot of the interviews we're doing are people on the road. So now that you're uh, uh, back, it's good to hear. And I I'd love to, uh, you know, uh, do another interview to see how you readjusted because that's Another uh, difficulty, I think, the reverse culture shock, uh, because obviously there's a culture shock when you're in all these novel countries, but then there's a reverse culture shock of missing the novelty when you're back at home. So Absolutely. we'd love to hear more about that in the future. For sure. Awesome. So make sure you connect with Jennifer and make sure you connect with us uh, on a Digital Nomad Mastery, a podcast, a YouTube channel, a social media, and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. And make sure you make your travel dreams come true.